0: the Heinemann podcast presents a new six-week series.
1: Of all the tools available to the classroom teacher to mitigate anxiety and relieve depression in students, writing is a powerful one. Over 200 research studies since the late 80s have reported that expressive writing especially can improve people's physical and emotional health. So how does writing do this? And what can I do as a classroom teacher to position my students to take this verbal medicine, as author Barry Lane calls it? Join me, Liz Prather, on the Heinemann Podcast each week starting April 4th, as we learn about the healing power of writing. Have you ever been so lost in a story that the rest of the world melts away? I'm Brett from Heinemann, and today on the podcast, we're joined by author Tom Newkirk. Tom says if we want students to develop a love of books and writing, we need to bring back fiction to our writing curriculum, and not just as an extracurricular. In his new book, Writing Unbound, How Fiction Transforms Student Writers, Tom makes a case that writing fiction strengthens all writing. Through interviews with both students and teachers, Tom breaks the myths about teaching fiction writing. Places the student's desire to write fiction at the center of his thinking. I started our conversation by telling Tom he's been on my mind lately while I'm reading a YA novel that runs parallel to Tom's new book. So I'm currently reading a YA novel from author TJ Klune called The Extraordinaries. And it opens up with a young man, I think a sophomore in high school, he's got ADHD. And it opens up with him writing fan fiction on Tumblr. And the first thing I thought of when I read that page was you. (laughs) I know not everybody thinks about Tom Newkirk when they read YA, but I thought of you because I thought about writing Unbound and I thought about fiction and I thought about, you know, this young man who's writing all this YA and I thought about all the students that you interviewed for this book. And I just thought, you know, about this need for fiction that students have. So I want to sort of start there. Why is fiction, fiction writing, the missed opportunity?
0: Well, I think the kids read fiction. They're surrounded by fiction. Um, they like to create fiction. And and I think that we want to get kids interested in writing and to love writing. But we have this kind of crazy situation where we, we say reading fiction is great. We, you know, it's the center of English. It makes you more human. It makes you more empathetic. But writing a fiction then disappears in high school. And that just makes no sense to me why that's the case. And I think that what's happening in our culture is you have like the student you talked about who's writing fiction probably on his own, I would bet, in that book. Um, and so you have tens of thousands, millions, literally of people writing fiction these days, posting it on fan fiction sites or not posting it on fan fiction sites. So you have an imbalance between what's going on in the culture and what's going on in schools.
1: You open the book up, you know, in chapter one, pretty honestly, uh, you refer to yourself as sort of an outsider and you kind of connect that to a confession. Can you say a little bit more about why you refer to yourself as an outsider and what that confession is?
0: Well, the confession confession is that I was a snob, (laughs) you know, that I mean, let's not make make it too nice. Uh, I mean, I think I had a lot of the prejudices against, you know, the kind of fiction that kids write in school, you know, Super fantasy, superheroes, some of the the things that they write. And, you know, I was, you know, I know good literature and I read good literature and I have all those biases. And I was never a fiction writer as a kid myself. So I'm an outsider. But I was really interested. I mean, these kids that I interviewed, some of them wrote novels in November, you know. So I was kind of in awe of them. I mean, how did did you do that? It wasn't like I know how to do that because I've done it. It's like, how in the hell did you do this? how did you how did you write 40,000 words in a month and so so it was like genuine curiosity of trying to enter this world that that i was really i'd really never been part of
1: it is fascinating the power of what passion will drive in a student it's it's it, it never fails to to amaze me but you take that sort of outsiders i'll use your words snobbish perspective and you <laughs> use that for your own curiosity to you know debunk a lot of misconceptions about allowing students to write fiction can you walk us through some of those misconceptions that you kind of debunked?
0: Well, I think that people say, you know, that if kids write fiction, they're not going to write good fiction. Okay. If you allow eighth graders or ninth graders to write fiction, it's not going to be good fiction. It's not going to be fiction that you really want to read. And I'm thinking, like, if you watch like a, a 12-year-old play basketball or 11-year-old play basketball, it's not good basketball. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. You know, they cluster around the ball. They double dribble. They, you know, have trouble with their passes, but every now and then you see these flashes of real basketball, right? Every now and then somebody drives, you know, takes the ball, drives the length of the court and makes a basket. And you say, That's real basketball. I think that's what you get in fiction. You don't you get a lot of it where they're trying to do things that they may not be able to do, but then they're flashes of the real the real thing. And when I interviewed the kids, I would often read a section that I really liked. I'd read it to them like it was literature and say could you talk to me about this and so i think it's the same deal but to say i'm not going to read kids fiction because it's not good fiction well of course it's not it's not completely good fiction they're just learning how to do it in the same way if they write memoirs it's not going to be great memoirs right from the get-go you know I,
1: i love how you wrote that in in the book i it's just sort of you you sort of start that off as they're at their very beginning they're sort of building it and it made me think you referenced stephen king in the first chapters it made me think. Well, what teacher probably saw Stephen King's writing in the third or fourth or fifth or sixth grade? He wasn't Stephen King that we know now. Back then, in the seventh or eighth grade, probably.
0: Yeah, yeah, but there's there's flashes. There there's times when, when they we do something really, right, you know. And and I think to to highlight that and say this really works, you know. And then you make some some suggestions, you know, to, to help them out. But to come in with that positive attitude and not with the attitude like, oh, I. I really hate to read this because it's not good fiction, or I don't really like science fantasy. You know, you kind of get on their train and try to help them out.
1: You mentioned the interviews uh, that you were doing with students. You you interview a number of students and teachers throughout the book. Can you tell me a little bit about those conversations and sort of what you, what sort of themes you were looking for as you kind of went into these conversations or sort of the themes you got out of them, I
0: guess? Well, I think particularly the interviews with the students were astounding because I didn't know these students at all. I mean, I had never met these students, and so I had maybe half an hour, 40 minutes with them, and just how they how they loved opening up about why they liked it, who they wrote with. One question that I really love to ask is, uh, I'd say, this is going to be a really weird question, but I could go inside your brain while you're writing. What would I see? And the um, student would say, hmm. And then they really answered that question, well, you'd see chaos, or you'd see, You'd see me watching a movie that I'm actually also directing, so I'm watching it and directing it. So they'd get into these kind of explanations of their thought process, and that was a real, a real treat. And with the teachers, often it's like the logistics: how do you manage it? Because I think that's a big problem, you know. Because fiction could go on, and you know, how do you how do you manage it, and how do you guide the students? Because students could get lost in plots, and so how do you do that? So, so that was. Sometimes the teacher's is a little more pragmatic where the students is kind of getting inside that brain and saying, "Okay, what's what's happening? And one student says, if you were inside my brain while I was thinking about writing, you'd be crushed by the flow of ideas.
1: (laughs) I love that. You noted that that students in particular really like to write action scenes. Uh I I read uh what is it about action scenes that sort of draw kids to it so much? Well,
0: I think that, I think that a lot of kids imagine their, their novels like plays or not like movies, I'm sorry. And so that, you know, it's the action, it's something, something happening, it's plot moving forward. And I think that both in their reading and their writing, they don't like things that move too slowly. And I think a lot of young adult fiction has, you know, moves, a plot moves, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't stay still. And like I recorded a, a one kid talking about um, like his mom was actually a fiction writer, an established fiction writer. And she says, I'm going to write a book that you're going to like to her son. And he says, yeah, not 50 pages about the next five minutes of your life. I think that student's on to well, something. Think, I, think, <laughs> so I don't know if she tried it to do it. I, I it's not a fair criticism of her either. So. Um,
1: one of the first things, uh, one of the first students, I should say you introduce us to is Ernest. And what I, uh, really jumped out to me when you were talking to him about, you know, his, his fiction writing and his school writing, he spoke about a loss of freedom yep. in his school yep. writing. What's he referring to there? What's the freedom he, he means?
0: Well, I think that he thinks that there are all these unstated, he, he says, I think you, they want us to be creative, but they want us to be creative in their own way. And so I think it's things like having rubrics, having structures that you're supposed to follow and just not being allowed to write fiction. Uh he thinks that he says he had a line that, that I liked. He says, I'd rather be, uh, see if I can get it right. I'd rather be the kid who writes stories that other people analyze than being this, the kid who has to analyze someone else's story. So he thinks he wants to be that creative person who creates the thing that other people read. But I think in school, he's like the person who's analyzing someone else's story. And I think that's what often happens in school is, you know, if you do writing, you're doing writing to analyze reading. So writing is kind of used to interpret reading. And what I argue is that essentially writing is subordinated to reading. You know, and I think we can all remember times in school when, you know, the writing you did was to answer questions about reading, right? You know, you read something, and then you have those terrible questions at the end, and you had to answer those questions, you know. So it kind of monitors your reading. And I think that's a, that's not a full use of writing in school. That's, that's a very limited use. And I think like that's the kind of thing that Ernest and a lot of the other kids uh, didn't like.
1: Ernest also had something that I I was blown away by. Uh, just I mean, so much insight from all of these students. But something Ernest said about his writing was um, he gave some advice about being judged. Yeah. What What was that advice that he was talking about?
0: Oh, he had a long answer to that question because I, I you know at the end of every interview I said you know what advice would you give to students and he says don't worry about being judged it's like you know the story has its own demands and go with it and don't worry about how people are people are going to be offended or if it's too graphic or go with the story and he he talked about uh uh with the, the princess bride and he says the princess bride take the princess bride he says that they could have made that into a cheesy movie you know but they made it into the movie it was supposed to be and i think that's that's kind of what he says that a story has its own demands and you go with it and if people are offended or you know, you go with the story. And that's, and he says, sometimes that's hard to do.
1: Another student, Eve, she and her mother, you spoke You spoke to them. Uh, she, she described feeling shut down by her AP honors class. Yeah. Why, why was that?
0: Well, I think that she was asked to write uh, <clears throat> pretty much in formulas, you know, that, you know, you basically have this essay formula. And other kids talked about that too. And so you get the formula and you write the formula in it. And it has nothing to do with who you are. I think for Eve, if she writes something, she wants it to reflect who she is, uh, and, and what matters to her. And she saw no place for that in, I think in the AP course that she was taking. Um, so that So that writing had to be personal. And like when I interviewed Eve, I thought you should be <laughs> you should be writing this book, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that was a feeling I had with a lot of the kids. I thought, well, your insight into writing is just amazing.
1: I I have to agree. I mean, the insight from the students is just unbelievable. It's so overwhelming. I, I felt I grew as a writer just reading these students you know, giving you feedback As of another, another student that I want to ask you about, Ardash, an eighth grader at the time that you uh, interviewed Ardash, he made a case for uh, fiction writing, strengthening other forms of writing. And, and you sort of honed in on that, I think a little bit around argumentative writing. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah, I think we tend to treat kinds of writing as if they're totally different, you know, so if you're teaching fiction, you're not teaching argument. But Ardash said, basically in in fiction you have different points of view like he has this he opens up his story with a father kind of uh having to reprimand a son who's terrorizing his sister you know okay he says well you have to look at it from the point of view of the kid and you have to look at it from the point of view of the father and so you're you're constantly having multiple points of view uh, and he says that's pretty much what you do in argument i mean obviously other examples could be like often in fiction. You have people reflecting on what they've done, you know, what's happening to me? Why am I doing this? What am I going to do next? Well, that's almost kind of analytic thinking. So you have this cross-pollination, I think, of kinds of writing. Um, I also think that in terms of stamina, if you have a kid who's written a 40,000-word novel, an eighth grader who's written a 40,000-word novel in November, and he's asked sometime down the line to write a five-page paper, it's not going to phase that kid. You know, it's like, oh, I can handle this. It's almost like, you know, I'll just have trouble staying within five pages. <laughs> where where often kids who don't write, you know, the five pages is like, is like you know, writing an epic, you know. So, so I think in terms of just facility with writing and confidence in writing, I think it, it crosses over. But sometimes we don't treat it that way. It's like if you're writing fiction, you're not learning the skills of this. And I think it doesn't work that way.
1: Well, well, we'll sort of conclude with this, sort of connecting back to where we started from. Um, you talk towards the end of the book about, uh, you know, the concerns teachers have for reading works of fiction from their students. And I, I sort of want to put this to you because you've, you've done a little bit of this. What does it take to be a good reader of student fiction? You have some advice for, for teachers in the book on that.
0: I think you have to get on their track. Like, what are they trying to do? Not on your track. I mean, not you know, not like oh, this is the kind of stuff I like to read, you know, when I'm at home. But what is this person trying to to create in this in this fictional story, um, and where is it really working? It seems to me you need to be attuned to what's working. That may sound Pollyannish, but I just think it's human nature. You know, we have it's so easy to doubt what we're doing. You know, we read accomplished fiction and then we see what we're doing, and it's really easy to feel bad about it. Okay, so what what's really working? And then do you have some questions that could help the writer achieve what he or she's trying to do? So, um, so I think that's, you know, it sounds simple, but I think it means, it really means honing in on what the intent of the writer is and getting on their train and not trying to maybe bring your own prejudices, your own tastes necessarily to that. So if the kid's writing, Fantasy story. How can that fantasy be better? If there's horror, how can the terror of that story be better? Those would be some of the things I'd recommend.
1: It's perfect. Um, anything else that you want to sort of mention that we didn't get to? Well, I have like a, and I don't mean this facetiously,
0: like a, a low-cost, low-frills method that I think we could engage kids in the, throughout this country in writing, and, I, and I it won't cost anything. And we could do it with, I think, the tools we have. And that would be to allow kids in every grade to write at least one fictional story. Not necessarily require it, but to allow them to write one fictional story every year of their school. And I would guarantee that what they rem- will remember, a lot of them from school, will be that opportunity to write that fictional story. Just just, just, just maybe one. Maybe give, take two weeks and allow them to write a fictional story, should they choose to do it. Um, and I... I think that just that act alone, just that opportunity alone, would bring kids into writing uh, in a way that I think most kids in, in this country are not brought into writing.
1: I, I think you're right. That is a really easy way <laughs> to really just get that into to schools. It's so simple. It's so simple.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, I don't have a patent on it. I'm not making money
1: off it. <laughs> uh, you
0: know, there's no trademark behind it. So. I offer it yeah. to everybody.
1: It's there for the world to take. It's there for the world to take. <laughs> My thanks to Tom for his time today. His new book, Writing Unbound, is available now from Heineman.com. If you'd like to hear one of Tom's student interviews, check out one of our previous episodes with Tom titled Writing Unbound with Tom Newkirk, linked in our show notes. You can read a transcript of today's episode and learn more about Tom's work at blog.heinemann.com. The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. It is produced and edited by Steph George. Sound mixing by Steph George. Our creative producer is Lauren Audette. And our executive producer is me, Brett Whitmarsh. To learn more about the Heinemann Podcast, visit blog.heinemann.com. Thanks for listening.